Hey, my name is Ev Bannett. Welcome to the Sodeblocks channel. And if you want to check out any of this content in audio form, you're welcome to head over to the podcast area. You can go to the Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all those places. Get the exact same content in audio format over there. So in this video, I want to just talk about a concept called Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara. Uh, so first, I'm just going to sort of start out and just, um, I'm going to put myself out on a limb here and sort of say that this might sound a little bit different than how you usually think about this concept, if you've ever heard of this concept before. So the way that I'm going to articulate it now, I hope and I think, I'm pretty confident that you have not heard it in this way, probably going to click some pieces into place, that's my hope. So uh, I hope you like that and uh, you know that it's something which changes the way that you think about it to make it a little bit more, um, let's say, clear and real and tangible to sort of really see what exactly it is and how it fits together with the larger framework of the other Torah and concepts that I've been discussing on the channel and also that you might just know in your own uh, experience and learning and upbringing and whatnot, all those things. So the phrase Lashon Hara, so it's actually funny if like if you are an English speaker, modern Orthodox or just Orthodox or whatever kind of Jewish, you know, person, uh, you probably have heard of this concept as kind of just called Lashon Hara. That's how people usually say it culturally, Lashon Hara. And the problem, of course, as I've discussed many times in other videos, that like when you have a phrase that we sort of throw around a lot of times, we don't really think about it or assess it very often, then it leads to a situation where the deep meaning of what the phrase is actually referring to kind of gets far away from us and sort of like just the cultural perspective gets very much in our face. And so it, that's particularly ironic in this case, uh, this concept, Lashon Hara. So let's try to delve into like just the phrase. Lashon Hara, the word Lashon means like language or tongue or sort of like the words that you say. And so it's a reference to speaking and speech in general. And then we have this thing called Lashon Hara, speech that is Ra. And the question is, what does the word Ra mean? So in order to understand the word Ra, so like there's, you know, there's a, a kind of a larger background that's going on here, which is that there's things that are called Ra, and then there's Lashon Hara. So things that are called Ra, so that's, you know, there are things that are just described as Ra. And then a subcategory of those is like the the Ra that can be manifest through speaking. So the question is, what exactly is that? Like, what does the word Ra actually mean? So if you go back in the in the Chumash, uh, the Torah, the Bible, whatever word you prefer to use to describe that book. So there is a tree, an eights, in the beginning of this of the story of the Chumash in uh, Parshas Bereshis, which is called the Eitz Hadaas Tovara. And so the Eitz Hadaas Tovara, it means like this tree that you, the, the word Das, the word Das means like your perception or your, your lens. And Tovara, usually translated as good and evil. And then Ra, usually is translated as evil. So Lashon Hara is kind of like then described as evil speech. But see, the problem with that is it's also very vague. I'm going to show you exactly how that's vague right now. So you talk about something being good or bad. So intrinsically, by definition, just if you sort of think about that for a second, let's say we're having a discussion about whether something is good or not. Let's pick pizza. Let's say you think that pizza is good and I think pizza is bad. So there's an inherent vagueness in that terminology. In other words, we don't really know what we're each saying, or we could even say, maybe we do know, but we're not saying it out loud. We're not articulating exactly what we mean when we say that pizza is good or bad. See, because good and bad have to have some kind of standard. In other words, there has to be a context where they fit. So if I say that something is good, I have to say good for a particular context. In other words, it could be good for eating, it could be good for nourishing the body, it could be good for, now you start inserting other weird contexts and it makes it sound a little bit weird. Is pizza good for like throwing? Maybe. Is pizza like kind of a little bit of a frisbee-like shape? Is pizza good for sitting? I don't know if it's so good for sitting, you probably don't wanna sit on pizza. Is pizza good for, I don't know, um, jumping up and down? Doesn't seem like it really fits there at all. And the thing is that things are good 
for a particular context. And if you don't mention the context that you're intending in the conversation, then the word good loses its meaning. So it becomes just sort of vague. And that becomes particularly problematic in a situation where you're having an argument of some kind with somebody, and then you each have very different um, ideas of what the context is. So for example, if I say pizza is good and you say it's bad, so the question is, what are we each thinking of in terms of our rel relevant and relative contexts? So if I, let's say I mean that pizza is good and I'm thinking the context is taste. So I like pizza, I like how it tastes. And then if you say pizza is bad, maybe you mean in terms of its basic nourishing capacity for the body. Maybe it's not such a, such a nourishing food. So you're not wrong when you say that pizza is bad. It's just that we don't really know what we each mean. And that's a very specific description of the problem that we call misunderstanding or miscommunicating or just having different sets of values. It's not even that we have different sets of values. You probably also like food that tastes good, but maybe your higher perspective is that even if it tastes good, if it's not really food or it's not so nourishing for your body, then maybe it's not good in some other sense in terms of the nourishment component, even if you think that it is good in terms of taste. So that's like a very clear way to sort of show how the concept of things being good and bad, those English words by definition include an embedded context. We don't always say what the context is out loud, but it always is there. Things can't just be good in a vacuum. They have to be good for something or in a certain way. And if you don't articulate what that is, then you're just missing a huge detail that really sucks the background out of the conversation. And then we're just going to have sometimes very uh, almost laugh, like laughable uh, differences of opinion because we're not even really talking. So it's always good to delve into that and sort of see what the underlying context is in a conversation where you're trying to judge or evaluate anything, where you have an opinion about something. So go a little further. Well, when you think about that, what it really means when you're trying to translate the word tov in a more precise way, tov doesn't mean that something is good. It means what I want or what I see as good given my background expectations or wanting. So if I want to have food that tastes good right now, so I'm gonna say this pizza is good. It serves the purpose of what I want. And the word tov actually means that. It means what I want. And that's why the Hebrew word tov, you'll, we can do a much deeper analysis, which we won't do right now, but the Hebrew word tov is actually meant to uh, comprise the meaning of what we think of, of the deeper perspective of what good is. In other words, like good is like a vague word, but tov is inclusive. It means this is what I want. And then if you look at the word ra, well, ra is the opposite of tov. And so if you look at ra, well, the question is, well, what's the opposite of what I want? So you might say, well, it's what I, what I don't want. That's a very easy sort of way of looking at it, what I don't want. But what I don't want is also a little bit of a vague thing. Think about that for a second. When you say I don't want something. So there's really two ways that could be intended. So a natural way is to say like, well, I just don't want that. I'm not interested in that. And that's something which I think we do intend. And then another alternative is something which, like, which you might mean, I'm averse to that. I don't like that. I would, I wanna, I'm repulsed by it. I want to be far away from that. So that's that would be I don't want something. But to say I don't, if you say the first way, I don't want kind of just means like I'm not interested in that, then what you really mean is that you're apathetic towards that thing. It's not, it's, it's not that you're repulsed by it. If I don't want pizza, so it could mean that I'm, I'm grossed out by pizza, or it could be that I just am not interested in something which is not, it does not trigger any, any response in me. I'm uninterested in something which is not really relevant to me, connected to me. I don't experience that as, as on my scoreboard of life. It just does not appear there. So you could think about that for a second. The word ra means to have a, an, ap an apathy towards something such that you are now not interested in it. So tov is what you are interested in, what, you, what you're pulled towards, what you want. 
and ra is what you are the opposite of that, what you are not interested in, what you are, do not want. And if you actually look at the word ra, so we can do a linguistic analysis of that word also, but the word itself actually um, bears out the concept that basically means to be separated from such that it is now not relevant to you in a personal way. So we can give a couple of examples of that. You know, we think about the word yiri'ah, which is also kind of rooted in the same word as ra, um, which means a curtain which separates or the word tiru'ah, which also is the same type of root, which essentially means to make staccato sounds that are separate one sound from the next, is the word tiru'ah. And the word rei is a word which means excrement, which is something which now is inside the body. It's a foreign object in the body, which now needs to be excreted and separated from the body. There's many examples of this, but basically the word ra is meant to denote the dynamic of things that you are not interested in that are other than you in a way that it's just like, yeah, that's not really on my map anymore. It's, it's almost like you're... You're disqualifying it from being relevant to you. Now, if that's what the word ra means, let's go a little deeper for a second into what exactly lashon hara might mean. Lashon hara, language that almost like disqualifies. But let's think about what that means a little more carefully. So we have to sort of paint a little picture using the background that we just mentioned, which is this tree, this eitzadas tovara. When you ate from the fruit of that tree, so the Torah and the subsequent midrashim and analysis in the Talmud and all these places describe how there's a dramatic change which takes place in human beings' psychology after the consumption of the fruit of the tree. And we all still operate with that, we'll call it the new psychology, after that situation. The psychology works like this. There's objective existence around us, and then, and again, within, within reason, well, let's just take it as an assumption for now, there's an objective existence around us. And then we have this ability to actually perceive existence in a way that can, and very often does, deviate from that objective existence. In other words, there's two things happening. There's what actually is, and there's also your perception of what that is. You can have your sets of glasses that you wear that you almost overlay meaning or ideas or associations on top of objective existence around you. And then you have the ability to then distort the experience you're having of that reality. In other words, let's say you meet a person. Let's say I tell you that there's a person that you're about to meet and he is a very dangerous person. He's very violent. So let's say you then encounter him. And now let's say he's not actually violent though. Let's say he's not violent at all. He's a very normal, nice, friendly person. But now if I tell you that and you let my idea into your mind, then you will construct a perception of this person inside of your mind. You will then overlay it on top of that person and you will then see them through the lens of this person is violent. And then after you see them in that way, that will lead to your interacting with that person as a result of your perception. Maybe you'll be more protective, you'll be more closed, you won't be as friendly, you won't be as connected with this person, very wary, you'll come across as cold. And what's interesting about that is that then you'll create a perception in that person's head that you are distant or cold or disinterested when in fact you're just protecting yourself based on your perception, your understanding of what the other person's situation is. And if you're wrong though, which in the example that we're giving now, I'm suggesting, I'm saying that you were wrong and the person who told you that was actually, for whatever reason, uh, made that up. So now you have this false perception of the other person that actually deviates from the objective reality. Objectively, objectively this person, let's say, never hurt a person in their life, never, never hurt anybody physically, was never physically violent with anyone, and there was no, there is just no, there was never an occurrence of that kind in that person's life. But in your mind, you have now constructed a set of perceptions that you've laid on top of them to perceive them as if they are violent. Whatever violent experiences you have in your own head, either things that you've gone through or things that you've imagined from seeing movies or whatever, you brought those to bear in the construction of the perception. And now you are perceiving that person in that way as a result of your own construction. And you're going to relate to them subsequently through that lens, which will literally 
dictate the types of behaviors you will exhibit in your interaction with them. So that capacity to see the objective world around you through distorted lenses where certain elements can become um, pulled either closer or further away from the reality that's there, we call that das tovara, literally the perception, the perception of the world in terms of tov and ra, what you're interested in and what you are uninterested in, what you are apathetic towards. In other words, just to sort of bring that into our example now. So if I tell you that somebody is violent, so now I'm taking an, I'm taking an idea and I'm putting it into your mind, and that's going to be very prominent now in your consciousness. The way that you perceive the other person, that piece, their violence, your, their perceived violence, will be very, very close in your face. And other aspects of their character will be further away, will be more distant from your, um, let's say, center of self. The way that you're sort of relating to the other person will basically be determined more by that which is closer. So you'll relate to the person much more through the lens of violence, uh, that, they, they, that they might be violent, and taking it further for a second, well, let's say the person has many cues in your interaction with them where you see, wait, like this person seems very friendly and nice. And you're like, but no, but this, this piece of information t tells me he's violent. So like that's much more significant, even though like all these other things over, that, that I see about him, other pieces of information, he smiles, he's outgoing, he seems like he's very polite. So those all seem like he's not violent, but those pieces of information might remain further away from the center of yourself, and you're more inclined to perceive the person through this piece of information for whatever reason why you might choose to do that. Let's say you just really trust the person who told you that he's violent, so then you'll make this much more primary. And these other pieces of information will be further away, and so you'll have one piece of information is very close and very upfront. It's what's very tov, we'll call it. It's really what you want to focus on, what you're more interested in. But the other pieces of information, you're going to disregard them, disqualify them. They're going to be distant from you, and you're going to ignore them. And that's das tovara. Now, lashon hara is simply a subcategory of that type of dynamic. Now, here's what you have the ability to do. When you speak about somebody else, here's the problem with speaking. Speaking is very linear. It's word after word after word after word after word. And so when I share information about somebody, by definition, it's going to always be fragmented. Only certain pieces of information are going to come out at one, in one moment. And there's always more information waiting online, early, you know, further back in my words as I'm trying to share the information. So if I'm speaking about somebody else, so I'm going to be telling you information about them. So there's a problem there because now the information that's coming out of my mouth is going to be inherently fragmented. And fragmented information, by definition, is very, very prone to leading to distorted to the development of distorted perspectives in the listener. So let's say I tell you about some person. I start saying, yeah, this person, he's so, he's so smart and funny. So I just told you some information. Now, the information might be true. But the thing is, like, think about that information for a second. First of all, it's in no way a total uh, composite picture of the person I'm describing. There's so many other elements of the person. First of all, there's just like other details, like he's also maybe compassionate or empathic or a good listener or a good speaker, or maybe he's good at math, or he. Uh, you can name your characteristics about this person. You only got two pieces of information. But even more than that, the information that you got is very inherently going to be kind of like distortive because, well, what does it mean that he's very funny or that he's very smart? Like, well, in what situations is he smart? What kind of funny is he? Like these types of statements, inherently what they do is they distort perspectives of the listeners by definition. Because when you hear someone say about somebody else that he's very smart, so then it's like, well, okay, so now I'm going to take that statement and like I'm going to kind of focus on that more. Let's say that, that, that became like a prominent idea. And then whatever I kind of associate with smart, I'll sort of interpret it that way. And then like, 
maybe like in situations where he's not so smart, I won't notice them as easily. It kind of just leads to a, a development of a picture of this person that's really not true. It's very, it's very, it just very, it, it deviates from the objective truth of what the person is like. So if I tell you information about somebody else, let's say uh, as an example. So let's say I'm, I'm telling you about a prospective date. Let's say you, you're dating and you wanna go out with a person and I have a suggestion for you and I start telling you about the person. So let's say you're a guy and I'm telling you about a girl. So I tell you about this girl, I say, yeah, so this girl, she's, um, she's, she's outgoing, but also shy. And like, so think about that for a second. Let's say I tell you that she's outgoing. And let's say you're the type of person that you yourself are outgoing, and then you're more, let's say you're more attracted to girls who are more introverted or more introspective or internal. So I say that she's very outgoing and like she's a, she's like a, she's, she's a, she's a comfortable personality. So I'm saying these words, and let's say your experience of those words is a very particular type of perspective. Let's say, let's say you just dated five girls who are too outgoing for you. So then when you hear about this girl, you're gonna suddenly have a distorted perspective about her because you're basically like, you might say, okay, well, I'm just not interested in this because it just sounds like exactly the type of girl that I've just gone out with five times and it wasn't good. So you're absorbing that information in piecemeal, fragmented kinds of ways, and it's going to distort your perception away from who they really are. And what that's doing is, let's say, there's, let's say that this girl is in some ways outgoing, but in other ways is extremely deep and introspective. But that part, that piece of information didn't get deposited with you in a, in a good way. Sometimes, sometimes it could even go like this. I'll say to you that she's outgoing and she's very friendly, and then I'll say, but she also has an introspective side. So like that second piece of information, because it came second, it might be less primary in your perception of the person and actually be distorted away from the way that she really is. Maybe she's actually way more introspective than she is outgoing, but because I gave you the information as outgoing first, then introspective, then it kind of turned into this situation and you actually saw her as much less introspective than she actually is. And so now my description causes you to develop a perception of this person in which there are elements that are now falling into the background that you don't see because I gave you a certain piece earlier. Let's say, so I said she's outgoing. The outgoing is like very primary. And then like the other aspects of her character are like kind of falling into the background and they're disappearing. So that's what we call Lashon Hara. Now, the, the, what that really is, what Lashon Hara really means is where I share information with you in such a way that it causes you to essentially move certain elements and perspectives of, of a person's character to a place where now they are not, they're, not, they're, they're well, let's say like this, they're basically disqualified. So just, to, just to, let, let's try to clarify that a little bit and, and deepen it a little bit more. So what I'm really trying to say here is that if I tell you anything about somebody else, and if I, and usually Lashon Hara is where you, where you tell somebody something about somebody else which is actually negative or bad, which could be true. Let's, so let's say it, it, should, it has to be true actually, but Lashon Hara is always true, but it's things that are negative or positive. So if I tell you something which is negative about somebody, I tell you this person is just a, a very disloyal type of person. So what does that do? So now again, it sort of, it, it takes a particular characteristic and it blows that up in terms of that being primary. And now the rest of the person's character falls into the background. And there could be lots of data which indicates the person is not really disloyal, but since I took one piece of information and put it in front of you in a certain way, the other information just fades away into the background. That's what Lashon Hara is referring to. That's why it's called Lashon Hara, because Ra means that which you are not interested in. You're now detaching from it. So what are you, what are you, what's happening? I'm giving you a piece of information and you're detaching from all other information to, to a greater, a greater significance or a greater distance than the piece of information that I just gave you. So you're giving more credence and more emphasis to the piece of information that I'm giving you and you're letting everything else that you know 
fall into the background. So let's say, you know, classic example. So, um, you know, let's say a classic drama example. There's a bunch of people who are friends, boys and girls, and then like one of them dated another one. And then suddenly, um, you know, the, the, so that, let's, say, let's say two people dated in, in, a friend, in a group of friends and they broke up. And then one of those two people, let's say the guy, starts to develop a relationship with another one of the females in the group of friends. So very quickly, that can turn, let's, let's, let's say, you know, so then one of the friends tells another one of the friends, and you hear that this guy is doing that with that girl now, and that's like one piece of information, and there's no other information. People just take that, and they blow it up as like, whoa, what the, what's, what, what's going on? That's crazy, like, why is he doing that? It's so, it's like not nice, like we were all friends, and now he's dating one person, and that's gonna ruin the friendship with the other one. And it's like you're taking one piece of information, and you're letting it completely consume everything else that's going on, and now everything else about the friendship sort of fades into the background, and becomes not relevant. You're disqualifying all those pieces of information. You're distancing yourself from them because of this one element. So that's that's essentially what Lashon Hara does. It brings a piece of information into the foreground in such a way that it leads to other information becoming very distant from your sense of self and your relationship and your perception of your relationship with that other person. Now that has that that definition Lashon Hara. Again, saying things about another person that essentially create a distortion such that a lot of what you know about the truth of the person falls into the background. That actually, that, that, there's a number of implications there. So one of them is the Lashon Hara is fundamentally a tool or, or let's say a, a, a method or a thing that we do that is actually not so much about the words, it's about what it does in terms of people's perceptions. I'll give an example to go back to our previous, our previous example of me telling you about a girl that maybe you want to date if you're a guy. So you're dating this girl. So, or, you, or I'm suggesting a girl that you should, that, that I think you should date. So think about that example for a second. Let's just go back to that. So the example, the way that I constructed it was, let's say you're a guy who just dated five girls who were very outgoing. And so now when I, when I present this girl as outgoing initially, so I create this distorted situation where now you don't really see the rest of what's going on. You say, no, I'm not interested in, any, in this because since she, you said she's outgoing, that's what I see. And then it pushes all the other aspects you said into the background because I'm very averse to outgoing people right now. So the rest of her character in, uh, in my mind is just now not relevant and I'm going to say no just because of this one element. When in fact the truth is that actually she has an element of outgoingness but she also is very introspective and also all these other qualities and you're just not seeing any of that because you're taking one piece and making it too big and everything else is falling into the background. That was the example. But what if we had a situation where you actually were not biased in that way, where you were not um, prone to constructing the information the person was giving you in a way that was distorted. So I'll give you an example. So there are people who, like a lot, a lot, one of the big tips people say if you're dating is to try to, in a certain sense, give people a chance. In other words, don't just like make quick judgments about a particular possible person that, you, that, you, that you're dating. Like try to like give it a little bit of time. The reason why you wanna give it a little bit of time to learn the person is because you wanna make sure your judgment and your learning of the person is accurate because it's very easy to get distorted pictures of people. Maybe some of the person you just went out with has had a bad night or was just, you know, just uh, for whatever reason, the things that, that you saw that night did not really fit well with the rest of who she really was or he really was. And so to sort of come in with a very um, open, just genuinely att attempting to learn type of perspective. In fact, I've actually told many of my students and friends that it's usually good to go on at least two, and like I think two is a minimum requirement unless there's some very clear, not distorted type of reason why you think you shouldn't go on a second date. But besides that, like assuming that, that it's that it's not, there's no very clear marker, so then to go on a second date is just important in terms of adding data that can really give you a clear idea of who you're dealing with. And a third date, I think for a situation where it's even vaguely, you know, there's still lack of clarity in some way, then third dates are also a great idea just to learn more. And obviously that's, that, that requires you 
to invest time and, and, and you know, energy, but it's required if you want to avoid developing distorted perspectives and instead try to actually learn people for who they really are. So if you are a person who is capable of listening to somebody else's description of a person without getting pulled into any particular elements and getting very distorted, so then that means that now for you, when you hear someone's description, it is not going to be Lashon Hara as far as you are concerned. So let's take that a little further. Let's say I'm talking to you and I'm telling you about a person. And let's say you are simply able to, you're, you're at a point where you are open and you're just trying to learn. And you also have a certain background knowledge and awareness that, well, speech is linear and it's gonna take time for you to really get a sense of this person. And so you're not going to get attached to any data points. You're not gonna get, you're not gonna to jump to any conclusions. You're not gonna develop a distorted perspective. So now you're just receiving data and saying, okay, this, like all, what I really know about this person is that, that, my, that this other person just told me X, Y, Z things. I don't know exactly if it's exactly the way that he made it sound, but like this is what he said. So I'm gonna store that away in my mind as possible data points. When I meet them, I'm gonna add more to that. I'm gonna construct over time a picture of this person that is based on a clear and true knowledge of them as I get to know them. So that would be a non-Lashon Hara way to listen. And that's actually how, if you ever hear somebody who is speaking Lashon Hara to you, so that would look like this, right? Let's say I'm talking to you in a way that is inherently trying to get you to see somebody in a, in a distorted way. Let's say I come to you and say, can you believe this person, what they did? They did this thing, what's wrong with them? How could they do that? That is a Lashon Hara way of talking. So what I'm doing when I do that is, I'm now basically taking one element of that person's being and I'm blowing it up out of proportion in my mind that I'm trying to convince you to also see it that way and pull you into that same place. So when I do that, so I'm speaking Lashon Hara. Now, what if there's a situation where you are, the way we just said a minute ago, you have the ability to not get pulled in. What if you could actually just sort of keep your mind clear and not buy into what I'm saying, but also not reject it. So think about that for, for a second. Let's say I say to you, this person, what's wrong with them? And you're like, okay, so what I know now is that Zev Bannett, who's just right now yelling about this person and how what they did is so wrong. What I actually know, I don't know any real information about that person right now. All, all I know facts-wise is that Zev Bannett is upset because of something which happened between him and that person. But I don't know exact. I don't know like objectively for real on a factual level what that person's real deal is. So now what, what can I? So what can I do in this conversation? So first of all, I'm not going to buy in to wow that person's horrible. They're terrible. How could they do that? Because that, that's I have no basis for the construction of that opinion. Because lashon hara is not a basis for conclusive perspectives. That just means that and you're just you're becoming just as distorted in the situation as I am. But what you can do is you can sort of sit there and say, okay, well I know Zev Bannon is upset right now. And so what I can do is I can just be there for him and be like, so what happened? Tell me what's going on. Like, I, you're obviously very upset. Like, can, like maybe share some of the things that, that happened to you. And then as a listener, what you're able to do is if you keep your mind not Lashon Hara oriented, then you don't take any sides in that. You're not, you're not like, wow, you're right. That person is horrible. You just say, wow, this happened, this happened, this happened. Okay, that sounds like it's really annoying. That sounds like, you know, I can see why that's obviously really hard for you. Like that sucks. Like, you know, that, that, that happened to you. But you don't have to buy in and say conclusively the things that Zev Bannon is telling me about this person are actually true about this person. It's more just like, well, as far as your, Zev Bannett's perception of this person, so of course, like, I see that he feels that way about it, and I'm gonna be there for him in that perception without letting my own perceptions then also assume those things and then take them on as, as your own views. So what that, what that kind of leads to is that Lashon Hara, fundamentally, there's always, there's two people involved, and sort of like, I, could, I can speak things where I am, um, myself uh, uh, having a distorted perspective of Lashon Hara. I can say things based on that. And then you can also receive them in a distorting type of way. And then you can also become a partner in it and we can both do Lashon Hara. Or there could be a situation where 
I'm speaking distorted, distor a distorted perspective out loud, but you manage to keep yourself distant from it and are just there for me in my struggle without actually buying in and saying this is actually the fact about that person. And the, and the alternative is a situation where I'm the one who's actually not distorted and I'm sharing information in a true undistorted way, but you're interpreting it in a way that is very distorting and distorted. And so now you're experiencing a Lashon Hara dynamic and I'm actually not. So given all these models and these descriptions, so there's a couple of, I guess, final points or, or, uh, or, co or comments, observations about this dynamic. So first of all, in the halacha, there's a bunch of halachos about how to actually deal with Lashon Hara. So one of those rules, we have, we have a concept called speaking Lashon Hara when there's a to'eles, like a, a particular purpose. In other words, to share perspectives about someone, to share, to, to share something about somebody else, information about somebody else, when there is a purpose. So that's something which is allowed in the halachos of Lashon Hara. So here's a funny thing, though. So today, in, like the, in the religious community, or in the modern Orthodox, or the Frum community, so there's a tendency to sort of say, well, anything that somebody tells me about somebody else is Lashon Hara, unless there's some really clear reason that it isn't, it just is, it's Lashon Hara. That's not true. That's not what we're saying at all. We're not saying that anything you say about somebody else is Lashon Hara. What we are saying is that if you're having a conversation with somebody and, and you mention something about somebody else, if you or the other person is incapable of either speaking about this person or listening to the information about this person, if you're incapable of doing that without becoming distorted in how you think about them, then yes, you shouldn't have that conversation. But if you, if you are capable of doing, of having the conversation in an undistorted type of way, if you're sharing that information in a way that is not distortive, so then you are allowed to have that conversation according to the halacha of the Torah. Now, what we call to'eles, with a particular purpose, so if, there's, if, if you are having an undistorting, an undistorted conversation about somebody else, then by definition, you're only having that if there's a particular reason. Because people generally speak about other people for one of two reasons. Either because there's a particular issue they're trying to figure out or, or work through that involves that person, and they're trying to really solve it on a truth level and get past the, the confusion, or because they just have um, distorted bad feelings and they're gossiping. So that's what Lashon Hara is. It's the second way. It's where you basically are distorted perspectives about somebody else, and you just want to share it because you, you're, 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 you have an ego battle with them. You're unhappy. You don't like them, and you want to spread the, the negative energy about them. So that, 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 that's a distorting type of way of speaking and also of receiving and listening. On the first side, though, if you're sharing information about somebody because you have an issue of some kind, like if, you have a, if you're having a fight with your boss or with your roommate or with your, your spouse or your best friend, so like to go and talk to somebody else about that and to work through it in detail and say, here's what happened. This happened and this happened and this happened, and I'm trying to figure out what this is and how to work through it and how to figure it out. That's not Lashon Hara. But if, and so what it actually is, is an attempt to sort of clarify with an outside party, here's what happened. I'm trying to understand this in a clear way so I can figure out what the right thing to do is to get to a healthy next phase in my relationship with this person. So that's a very healthy, good thing to do. That is what we call litoelis. It is you're, you're speaking about somebody else with a purpose. Litoelis doesn't just mean that like there's just some kind of like um, a vague reason, like, a, like a, a vague purpose, like, well, I need to know this for, for reasons X, Y, or Z. Toelis means that you're having a conversation with somebody about somebody else because there's a particular thing you're trying to figure out that is truth-based and truth-oriented about trying to genuinely understand your relationship with another person. And by speaking to an outsider, sometimes you can get tremendous clarity and then you can come back to the relationship and actually solve it at a higher level. That is what Toelis refers to. And so like, if you're in a conversation with somebody about your roommate or your friend, and let's say you have a group of friends or you're speaking to one friend about another friend, if you are just friend bashing or you are just venting in a way that is like very all over the place and I, she just always does it, it's so bad and I hate her, like that's Lashon Hara. 
But if you're able to sort of say things like, yeah, like she has, she seems like she has this habit and she does this thing and here's how it seems to intersect with my habits and like here's why I think it doesn't work so well and like I think that we can like, and then the friend is like listening to this and you're, and you're kind of explaining it and your, other, and your friend is like, well, yeah, I see that. I think that maybe it's because of this. Let's see if we can understand that. There's no inherent Lashon Hara element that's there unless you are actually letting these, this conversation lead you to see this person as fundamentally you know, messed up or just bad. So you have to really gauge that within yourself. And if you, if, and if you see that you're actually developing a distorted perspective of your friend in that type of situation, then yeah, that, that's a real problem. That's not litoelis. That's coming from a place of just your, you have an ego drive to sort of um, dislike your friend now because of this. That's a very unhealthy thing. But largely speaking, assuming you're a mature person, you're trying to figure out how to work through a problem with one of your, with, with, with one of your friends, with another friend, or with you know a coworker about your boss, so then that's a great context for you to really talk through the issues that you're experiencing with the person, and then see if you can solve them. So a good marker for whether or not you're doing that kind of conversation in a lashon hara type of way is how often you're having the conversation. Because usually to have a conversation like that a few times is useful to sort of come back and review and then see if you got farther with it. That that makes sense. But if you start having the conversation like every time you see that friend and you're always talking about this person and you feel like you're we have to just talk about it again, you'll start to tell. You can usually tell when you're start when you're really having the conversation because you're just kind of getting off on it. Where you're more like it's about feeling like we're better because look that other person is messed up. That's lashon that's where you're now taking the elements of the other person's character you're fixating on them making them very prominent in your mind and you're negating the rest of who she is or who he is and saying look at these things this person is not really put together it's something wrong with them and that is essentially disqualifying the person in, in, in a certain way disqualifying the rest of who they are and viewing them as ra and just that one characteristic the fact that they are terrible in way x y or z you're making that so prominent that everything else about them falls into the background that's lashona ra so when you sort of take all of that and put it together there's also one other caveat or one other observation which is also found in the halacha that even speaking about positive things about another person can be lashon hara. So if I tell you that such a, that, that there's a person who's very pretty or very smart or very funny, and that leads you to now sort of um, either think thoughts about them that, dis- that that push them away, right? It creates a distorted thing where either you say, oh, they're, you think they're so funny? Like, I don't think they're so funny. I think they're actually, you know, or, or you, let's say you're jealous of them. You say, wow, that, now I don't like that person. So the rest of them, all the other good things about them, I'm not going to even see them because I don't like that you like them so much. So I'm going to sort of push all the good things about them into the background. That's one way that Lashon Hara can be created where now you as a receiver are developing a distorted perspective of somebody else because of what someone said to you about them, even though it was a positive thing that was said. And another way is that if, that if I say to you, oh, that person's so pretty or so smart or whatever, so then you take that characteristic and you blow that up in your mind and then the other elements of the character just fade away. Even if you don't think anything negative about them, you're just kind of like, oh, well, this is their deal. This is who they are. And the rest of them sort of like fades out into the background. You don't really see them for the rest of who they are, that they're much more than just their intelligence or their prettiness or their sense of humor or whatever. That's also a distorted perspective that is developed as a result of just, you know, a comment like that. And so what kind of comes out of this is really two things. Lashon Arai is just a verbal, um, it's a verbal mechanism by which we, we can't, we essentially create distorted perspectives. So it's a verbal tool. And it's verbal. It's not. It's, it doesn't really. It's. It's. It's not. An, it's not. It's. It's a, like I said. It's a subcategory of the perceptions that we have, which leads to the second point, which is essentially that you know. And this. This is our final point, just to sort of conclude this, which is that the goal of avoiding lashon hara is actually really a goal to avoid developing distorted perspectives that are deviating 
from the objective truth of the situation. So whenever you're dealing with another person, so if you have, if you meet somebody, so you have to realize that not only are you prone to developing distorted perspectives because of things that you heard about them, you're also, you're much, you're, what you're really prone to is you're prone to developing distorted perspectives about people, whether it's because you heard something about somebody or just because you see them now and you start to make all kinds of conclusions and judgments about what their deal is based on your own perceptions, but not remembering that your perceptions are very prone to creating distortions and sort of not really seeing the person as who they are. And we have that capacity. We do that regularly. And so when you, the, 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 what you sort of take out of that is really like you, when you're listening to somebody else speaking about someone, you have to sort of separate out and, and you, or, or try to see it for what it really is. When someone else is speaking about somebody else, so it's not that they're, that they're telling you something true about that other person. It's they're actually telling you something about themselves and how they experience that other person. That is a true point. In other words, that, what they're saying is true. I experience that person as bad. And so that you can, you can take that and put it into your mind and say, now what I know about this person is that he or she experiences the other person as bad. That's true. doesn't mean that the other person is actually bad. It just means this person experiences in that way. And so then what you have to do is you have to sort of create almost like two different spaces in your mind. One for this person as this person thinks that person is bad. And then one person and one space for that other person where they, you don't know them say, I don't know that person at all. I have no idea what their deal is. I don't think they're good or bad. I just don't know, but I can be here for you in this space as you're struggling with the fact that you feel that they're bad and I can listen to you and be there with you as you work through that and not take in any information in terms of anything about them uh, in terms of uh, my knowledge of them from you. So that, that's one that's one practical thing is when you're listening to people talk about other people to sort of try to keep yourself from buying in as if that, as if you now know something about the other person, uh, about the person who they're speaking about. And so that, that's a very practical tool in terms of how to listen to other people when they're upset and speaking about others who have hurt them. And then finally, in the, you know, the larger point here is whenever you deal with another person, you have to really try constantly to remember that you don't really see the totality and that you are prone to negating or ignoring certain aspects of them as you develop distorted perspectives and to keep always looking for more and more and more and more knowledge and truth about them and don't just you know get attached to certain ideas and certain perceptions of them and then start to just not bother to explore them more well i already know you well enough you know i you're this is your deal there's always more behind and and we tend to just not see it because we get used to and attached to and habituated towards certain elements that become very prominent in our mind those are the tov things that we just get attached to and then the rest of the character fades into the background always we do this with everyone you have to constantly be vigilant against it and try to re-encounter re everyone that you know almost like as if you haven't seen them before, try to see them more fully and more deeply and more accurately as time passes to really reduce the tovara distorted perspectives that we constantly create to really try to cure the disease of the tree of knowledge that we have in the beginning of Parsha Bereshus. That's really the background to all this. So I hope that's relatively clear. If you have any questions about that, feel free to put them in the comments below. And I look forward to seeing you in the future videos.